Well. Hi, everybody. <laughs> okay. So, I guess, good morning, evening, afternoon, whichever one it is. Wherever it is, where you're listening. <laughs> um, so, today our group's going to be talking about the Sami people. Um, I guess, you know, just who they are, what they did. A brief they, overview. Yeah, what, yeah. what their currently situation is in their current lives and how their past was, which wasn't always the brightest. Um, but who are the Sami people? Um, Sami people are an indigenous people of Northern Europe inhabiting uh, Satmi. It's, it's, it's a weird name, but uh, today the countries that it encompasses is Sweden, Norway, Finland, and parts of Russia, the Kola Peninsula. Um, the uh, traditional Sami lifestyle, uh, they, they were more of a hunting and gathering fishing and trading uh, culture. So they uh, were kind of like indigenous people of America, um, but they were in the circumpolar part, which is, you know, cold. <laughs> <laughs> Much colder than, you know, the Great Plains or something that we have here in North America, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the Sami, they uh, coexisted with the neighbors for centuries. But for the last 200 years, especially during the second half of the 20th century, which we'll get into that, uh, there have been many, many dramatic changes in the Sami culture, uh, politics, economics, and their relations with the neighboring societies. Um, yeah, so I guess as far as their origin, there's still no physical evidence of exactly where they might have pinpointed their origination. Um, like most indigenous people of you know, uh, native, uh, the Americas, um, most of Russia, Africa, they can pinpoint kind of where their DNA has started and spread to. Uh, for the Sami people, uh, they're having a hard time um, trying to originate where exactly they came from because they, they got a little bit of mix going on. Um, from Russia and from other Eurasian um, cultures. So. Most definitely. Yeah. And that's through the, the integration of the, the people there. They, yeah. Okay. Also something that's kind of interesting about that is the physical appearance because a, a lot of circumpolar people you're going to notice um, have more typical sort of... Um, Asian features almost with um, the uh, monolithic eyes, um, dark hair, um, but Sami people are um, very typically um, fair-haired um, and sort of uh, fair and ruddy in complexion, which is kind of interesting to look at when looking at DNA. And of course, you know, DNA is, um, technology is getting better all the time, so there might be more stuff that we have yet to uncover. Right, right, and, that, and that's where I was saying with uh, the recent advances in DNA, and th they'll start to come up with more of a generalized map of where they've come from. Because even now, most DNA mapping and structuring and all that stuff of all the other indigenous people of the world, it's been changing uh, almost uh, every year at this point. Um, because more and more discoveries are happening and more and more technology is coming out to help 
discover those things. So hopefully one day we'll be able to get to the true uh, origin of the Sami people because um, they're, they're kind of the forgotten indigenous people, not just of Eurasia, but, I mean, myself, I, I never... Yeah, assumed. they're not they're not one of the, the big popular ones yeah. that we normally would talk about. And and I I just never would assume that where Scandinavia is, where you think of just Vikings, that at one point <laughs> there had to have been indigenous people there before them. And uh that's that's another thing I'm curious on is uh what the history was like during the Viking times with their interaction. If uh the Sami people interacted with the Vikings or vice versa, or if they coexisted or not. Given the Vikings' reputation, I'm going to assume not. <laughs> yeah, like you guys said, I feel like with all these advanced technology and advanced, more people's perspective and right. all that, I feel like everybody is a mixture of more than just one mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, that leaves, like, a thing, like, what is the Sami mixed with? Like, what could they be mixed with? Yeah. yeah. So in the 1950s, the first studies of genetic markers in the Sami population were performed in order to investigate their origin. Uh, during the following decades, a large number of generic markers, such as blood groups, enzymes, polymorphisms, and serum proteins, were investigated. Most of these markers showed differences between the Sami people and the general Swedish population, which is how they were able to determine that, obviously, the Sami were the original indigenous people of Satmi or Scandinavia or Norway, Sweden, all that stuff, um, and a higher similarity in between um, the Finns. Uh, this scientific data goes into the very specific genetic makeup groups of um, each of their mapping. Um, basically what it's saying is that the uh, Asian populations shared more of a, uh, uh, what's the word, um, similarity, Mm -hmm. I can't even think, uh, Asian group of people shared more of a similarity with the Sami people than Swedish, Norwegian people themselves, so. That's interesting, considering they don't look very similar, comparatively speaking, to the other groups. And that's the other problem, is, you know, with time DNA mixing because um, obviously Sami people are still around now there's I mean not as many as people might think but they're still there um, they might not look exactly what they were you know thousands of years yeah, ago exactly and you know with the coexisting that they could have had mm-hmm. most likely had uh, with other groups of people that moved in there eventually you know only thing I can really think of right off the top is Vikings, and I keep saying Vikings, <laughs> but they're Europeans that eventually moved up there. Um, and from just generations of either coexisting or other bad things that Vikings did. Mm. Um, Much pillaging. Yeah. Much yeah. pillaging. Yes. Uh, could have, you know, changed their their looks, obviously. Yeah, because again, you sort of think about the longer that a singular culture or people exists, um, the more, not that diluted is the right word because blood quantums are um, kind of a gross way to look at things, um, 
but the more, I guess, genetic, genetically diverse um, a people is going to be. So, again, you, like you were saying, you know, their appearance might not be the same as it was um, when they were, you know, sort of originally living in, like, not untouched, um, because obviously they had, you know, in other indigenous neighbors, but as a pure indigenous culture, that's uh, going to look a little different. Mm-hmm. It's like their uniqueness. They have, like, such a unique culture, and they have such a unique clothing. And I bet yes. their clothing today isn't how it is back then. Yeah, Maybe, perhaps. Well, and, and that and everything that the indigenous people uh, went through with uh, all the the harsh stuff that they had to go through with people coming in and trying to take their land. Yeah, exactly. So um, if we want to start talking a little bit about that. Um, okay. So the Sami's uniqueness and their language, culture, religion, all the, basically their roots, they're really interesting to all of us and anyone else that learns about them, but it wasn't the same for others. When nationalism first started rising, a debate over the Sami land actually occurred, as well as them having to pay taxes to nation states such as Norway, Sweden, or Russia. Do they have to pay for all three of them um, as I'm one just, group? What, what like, part of their end? Uh, yeah, like their nation states. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. For example, like today, most Sami population is in Norway. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's mm-hmm. a population of 40,000 right now in Norway. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Give or take. Obviously. I know. That's and more than I thought it was. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, if you think about it like a global like perspective, it seems like a small number because there's like billions of people in this world mm-hmm. and like 40,000 are Sami. Yeah. Right. But anyways, um, they didn't really have a type of currency, so... What did they, how did they pay? They had to pay with their main resource, which was reindeer meat and reindeer hides. The Sami also lost their any they they lost their ownership over the land they migrated to and grazed their herds on, and instead, colonizers colonized their land and they started making a living on it by farming on it. But although that wasn't bad enough, they also dealt with discrimination, like mm-hmm. bad discrimination. So. They, during a eugenics movement, was, which was actually first formulated by Charles Darwin's cousin, um, Francis Galton, it was a movement that basically Galton saw as a way to plan breeding by only allowing those that had, like, these good traits, like, good breeding traits to mate with each other to avoid any social ills, any bad traits, basically bad stuff. So... Essentially, what we would call GMO now for yeah. people, for people, yeah. <laughs> which is very, very upsetting. Like, yeah. if you think about, like, that's how you like breed dogs yeah, to like one breeding sheep. Like, that's not something that any um, normal or good <laughs> yeah, person like would think about. Guard dog, people. best fighting dog. Like, yeah, not people, but any, yeah. Well, during that time, that movement, they were actually labeled as an inferior race, so a race that shouldn't mate with each mm-hmm. other. But even though they got called that, um, they also went through more discrimination, especially when the Norwegianization policy took place, uh, which also took place during the rise of nationalism. It was actually said that it was both nationalism and social Darwinism that influenced that policy, which was aimed at non-Norwegian speakers, in this case the Sami, and assimilate them into a new Norwegian population. But in order to do so, it was mainly put into boarding schools 
So Sami children were, they were forced, they were required to go to Norway schools. Um, and in these schools, their language, culture, family ties, basically anything Sami root was taken away from them. It was lost from them. Uh, they were not allowed to talk their language, and teachers were not even allowed to talk to them in their language either. Um, and it was actually said that living in Norway was tough for them at first because apparently um, there was an act that was called the Land Act of mm-hmm. 1902 that it only allowed uh, property to be transferred to those who could speak, write, and even read in Norwegian. So obviously that was hard for the Sami who didn't know how to do all those things. They had their own language. Right, and you sort of you think about normal literacy rates in 1902 Mm -hmm. that's not going to be super high for regular um sort of native norwegian speakers even so you're expecting these people to a learn how to speak a uh the language of their colonizers and b learn how to um legibly write in the language of their colonizers when a lot of those colonizers probably can't even write in their own language. So yeah, it's going to be a big part yeah. of the wealthy Huge population. double standard. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that's yeah. why, too, like back then, there, you have different variations of English or whatever, or regions of languages. Yeah, dialect. Like dialect. Yeah, yeah I, I mm-hmm. couldn't think of the word, but... Like Germany, they have different dialects. Everywhere. Yes, 100%. And they just expect them to, oh, we want you guys to talk, but now we want you guys to read and write in this language. Exactly. They're they're taken away. What happened was that their identity was being taken away, and that's not right. And and so that's one of the things that is (laughs) kind of being pieced together slowly um, is how much of the Sami's culture was lost because um, one of the known ones that we know so far that is non-existent anymore as far as language group um, is the Kainu, and if I said that wrong, um, I'm sorry, but in the 1700s, the Kainu Sami, their language was completely completely eradicated. It's non-existent anymore as of the 1700s, and makes you wonder... (laughs) how much of the Sami's culture or presence has been lost over time because of um, Norwegianization. <laughs> yeah, it took me a bit. But, yeah, like, that Land Act of 1902, obviously, it didn't last that long because it was only in effect until around 1965. However, the Sami finally had the right to talk their language and even be spoken to their language in 1902, 1992 when the Sami Language Act was finally passed out in Finland. So basically 30 years ago, so not that long ago, they recently gained the right to speak their language. Yeah, and their native land. Yeah. yeah. So and, and not just in uh, Scandinavia or Satmi, well, Satmi I guess also includes Russia, but uh, Russia also was giving the Sami people a very hard time um, by reindeer herding um, and husbandry. So basically what Russia started to do was take the resources that the Sami people relied on as their life, <laughs> their entire foundation. Literal lifespan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. um, something they based everything off of. Yes. So what they started to do... Um, as in the, the Russian side, the non-indigenous 
people of Russia, um, they started basically herding and keeping essentially the reindeer for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if you don't have food or clothing or stuff to protect your people or sustain your people, your population isn't going to do too well. And that, and that's why the, I believe at least the, the population of the Sami people in Russia is so low. I think it's only in the couple thousands, um, today, which I would assume it's probably been dwindling for a very long time since, you know, their cultures been getting taken away. Yeah, and away. think about how Russia is traditionally treated yeah. indigenous people. In general, yeah. Very, very poorly. Yeah. Very poorly. But, yeah, the dis- discrimination that they went through, it's actually, like, we've all agreed, it's actually been decreasing, not the population itself, but the, those who speak their language, because... Those who survived the assimilation, so older generations like parents, grandparents, they're afraid. They're afraid because of what these boarding schools did and how they forced them to not speak their language. So they don't teach their children their language or anything of their roots. So now we have future generations of Sami that don't really, they know they're Sami, but they don't know what it is to be a Sami. They don't know their traditions. They don't know anything of themselves. That's because, are they afraid of it happening again? Yeah, Yeah. parents are afraid that their own children are going to go through discrimination, and it's not fair for them. If they got beaten for their culture, why would you give your child another rod to be beaten with? Yeah, because, like, only, like, there's, like, different estimates of how many how much of Sammy there is left, Um, but it's said to be, like, in thousands, something like that. But even that, only about less than half of that population knows Sami language, Sami mm-hmm. culture. Right. And um, sort of to jump off of that, along with the um, discrimination about um, language, there has been a huge drop-off in traditional religion, mm-hmm. um, which I would like to talk about for a minute. So um, the uh, traditional Sami religion is polytheistic, meaning there is a sort of pantheon of gods. Um, think, you know, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, um, and it is shamanistic, and um, it takes aspects from animism. So animism is sort of the belief that everything around you has a spirit. Um, A lot of us might be familiar with this in North America. This is sort of the basis for a lot of um, traditional indigenous North American religions, where everything around you has a soul, has a spirit. Um, So... There are, um, they're sort of, they're shamans, they're holy people. Um, And again, I'm about to sort of um, talk about some very sort of obscure terms that it's very difficult to find proper pronunciation guides for. So if I um, like totally just absolutely brutalize these names, I sincerely apologize. Um, But the shamans are called noyades, um, noyedi singular. and they are going to use um, shamanic drums, which we'll see a lot both in um, our circumpolar area and, again, in North America. So you're going to notice, as I sort of go through a lot of the aspects of their religion, that a lot of this is going to be very, very similar to a lot of North American religions, um, well, indigenous just, religions. Yeah, yeah, just indigenous people in general. Yeah, the um, sort of the global... Um, 
like concurrences that you have with like a lot of these sort of aspects of culture are super super interesting. So when you're talking about traditional religion, you are going to have um, so again it's a um, animism. So basically everything has a soul, but their big sort of um, beings or deities are going to be the father, the mother, the son, and the daughter. And again, these are going to be some very um, interesting pronunciations. I apologize. But that's going to be the Radianaka, the Radianake, the Radiankita, and the Radianada. Um, again, I apologize. But those are going to be the father, the mother, the son, and the daughter, respectively. So um, this is sort of a divergence from a lot of North American religions, where you have sort of the one deity, the, um, the creator, the great spirit. Um, but instead here, it's going to be sort of, again, that idea of a pantheon, which I think is really interesting. It's, it's also very family-oriented in this part. Yes, it, it, yeah. It includes everybody. It's yeah. not just there's in only the family one. role. And that also can kind of reflect on the Sami people in themselves that... The values. Of yes. family and being together and, and just needing each other. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, yeah. Um, so after we've sort of talked about the traditional religion, um, like heavily, unfortunately, um, along with the language and the culture, um, Norwegianization is going to sort of totally bulldoze um, the traditional religion of the Sami. So, um, again, those boarding schools are going to totally snuff out a lot of traditional religion because they are set up by Christian organizations. They are um, originally totally um, religious organizations, but then they're going to be government-sponsored theocratic institutions, which is a huge problem. So you have stuff like this, and then... Um, I did not actually know this, and I was doing quite a little bit of digging, um, and I found this sort of anecdote. So we kind of, okay, so there was a man named Lars Nilsson. He was a Sami man. He was a shaman, so he, um, again, was a leader in the religion um, during the time where Christianity was sort of um, sweeping this Sami community, and he was reported for um, pagan behavior, for um, praying after his dead son because his son drowned and he was asking the gods to give his son back to him. And he was actually reported to um, the Sami priests, so not even outside priests. These Sami were converted and had their own little church. And um, he was burned at the stake. 100%. And that's crazy to me. We sort of think about, that's, like, witch trials, right? Um, right. Obviously, yes. um, there weren't actually any burnings at Salem. That is a misconception. But it was mainly um, a sort of, like, central European thing. You see it a lot in, like, Germany and is France. where it was. Yeah, Germany and France, those sort of countries where it was most prevalent. But, like, I had no idea that it was happening this far north. But like that, that is crazy to that me. That shows you the destruction of their culture because one hundred percent. They went from being very, very heavily reliant on themselves and each other to now they're all of a sudden turning their backs on each other because of religious differences that was essentially force-fed to them mm-hmm. um, without any of their own will. Because it was basically, you know, learn or not and most likely die. Yeah, like 
like Brad said, like it's to the point where this culture that's supposed to unite family and everything, instead they're all aparting from each other because yeah. they don't know or they now they have different views that at first, like he said, were forced on it, but now they believe it themselves. Yeah, it's that's that's the part that like makes me sick is that it was his own community members that mm-hmm. turned around and like yeah. straight up narked on him. Like that's awful. Like it's straight up terrible. Um I don't know, that's crazy to me. Again, one of the big things that they got him for was um worshiping idols, worshiping icons. So he had icons of um the, the Sami gods yeah. And um, they were brought forth as, like, condemning evidence against him, which if we, you know, if we think about it, some sects of Christianity, obviously Catholicism, um, also worship icons. I don't know. It's so, yeah, it's, it's so just, it's so upsetting. Words can't use that. No. <laughs> um, no, and, that, and that's the other thing I, I was questioning is because, you know, they, they had as far as their beliefs, um, multiple deities, you know, paganism, shamanism, right. all that stuff. That's why I was curious on, I wonder what's going to eventually possibly be uncovered in time, hopefully, um, with evidence of the Vikings as you know we know it. Because for all we know, Vikings could also have been the Sami people or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And same thing happened to them as far as the Vikings and... The spread of religion, they were forced. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, yeah. And that, and that that was what happened to almost all of the indigenous people, not just in, you know, Eurasia, Russia. Well, I guess Eurasia is also Russia, but um, the Americas, South, yeah. Central, North America, that all of them had experienced some sort of destruction of their culture yeah i mean you you can even see it not in what we traditionally think of as indigenous cultures like think of ireland Mm -hmm. um so right now there is a huge resurgence in um attempting to get a younger generation to um begin to speak irish gaelic again because it's been dying out because you know the english came in they burned all their books um, they banned the practice of traditional Celtic paganism. I mean, they took away their pantheon of gods. They took away their language. So, like, now you go to Ireland um, and they're playing cartoons on the kids' channel in Gaelic, right. where it's that sort of resurgence, and you see the same thing again with um, that in- petition to, like, put traditional Hawaiian on Duolingo. Right. Like, you have stuff like that where, you know, all hope isn't lost. Yeah. There are still people trying, trying to. There are still people, yes. So there is a huge movement in cultural reconstruction, which is, you know, um, doesn't fix the destruction that happened, but is better than um, nothing at all, obviously. (laughs) And and that's what I'm I'm worried about is how much has been lost. Because with with the Sami people, with already being not so much known, uh, Mm -hmm. how much will we get to know? Because... You know, like you were saying, books have been burned, which that means most likely Sammy's people's written history, which most of their stuff is oral, just like most indigenous people. But think about art. Right. Think about textiles and stuff. How much of that's been destroyed or, or forgotten or even just the oral tradition of passing down story. Yeah. Um, so, um, 
Yeah, so speaking of, you know, art and um, sort of that culture that is being lost and is attempting to um, be brought back into the light, I believe that we have a little bit to talk about with, you know, clothing, etc. Yeah, so with the Sami people, obviously um, the whole idea of the culture has not been completely lost because they still very much have cultural clothing. So there are two types of clothing. There's practical clothing and cultural clothing, obviously. So honestly, most of the year, most of the time, they dress like us, warm, just trying to stay warm, you know, not very colorful. Practicality over ornamentality. Yes. Yes. So, but... The, you know, it's obviously very warm coats during the winter, and during the summer, it's not so much, you know, just regular clothes. Um, most of it's made out of reindeer fur, well, traditionally it was. Um, modern day, it has, you know, been used out of, been made, we can use some cotton and some clothes that would traditionally be our clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most people wear their cultural clothing for special occasions, um, so cultural, religious festivals, um, they're fond of holding events such as reindeer racing championships and festivals. Um, they also sing their cultural cl- uh, songs with these clothing. So they wear a loose tunic um, called a gatki, which is belted around the middle, and it's bo- bo- worn by both men and women. Um, women's are traditionally longer, trying to make it look like a dress. Um, these are also made from reindeer fur. Um, Over time, again, like I said, it's been replaced by cotton, wool, felt, silk, and velvet, as they've had resources to Mm -hmm. to get these. Um, They both wear, both men and women wear leggings, um, which was once made of hide and lined with reindeer fur. They also, with it, wear high collars, which is embroidered with metallic threads and covered in silver ornaments. Um, They try to use brightly colored colors, blues, reds, yellows, um, women may drape a fringe shawl around themselves, um, which is held in place by brooches. Um, the colors and the patterns and the jewelry indicate where a person is from, if a person is married, and sometimes can be specific to their family. Um, the shapes of their buttons actually, um, on their belt tell if the person is married or not. So square buttons mean that the person is married, um, Single people wear belts with round buttons. Oh. So. Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dating apps back then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like I said, they so they only wear this for special occasions because obviously they don't want to get it messy because they don't have. Fancy clothes on. Yeah, they don't, you don't have, have the ability to keep spare. making. Yes. yes. So it's it's got to last a while. Um, so first, um, they wear hats as well. This hats also show where a person is from. Um, it's called a elado, which was um, which is the largest and most well known hat that they wear. Um, it is topped uh, by a wood carved carved wooden horn covered with embroidered fabric. Um, they also wear footwear. They've got um, reindeer hide, uh, which is, which makes their boots. Um, inside uh, was traditionally lined with dry grasses to protect feet from frostbite. Hmm. Um, the characteristic uh, curling toe seen on most boots and shoes is a practical feature um, because during long journeys they hooked their toes into their skis to ensure that they did not come loose when they were traveling on the snow. Oh, that's I didn't know that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's where the whole, like, the, you know, 
elf merry jingly yes. like elf comes i didn't know that that had like a practical purpose yes That's and a lot of this traditional clothing can be seen in um frozen the movie frozen yeah. which yeah. was Kristoff. and i think traditionally he is sammy yeah, it's supposed to be. Anyway. Yes. It's never explicitly stated. Yes. But again, it is sort of happening in the Norwegian Scandinavian area. Mm-hmm. It makes sense with the reindeer. It, yes. makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So we can see his loose tunic, the uh, gatu, um, and, and again, the boots and um, the hat that he wears. Yeah. So um, lastly, so what they wear this for a lot of the time, the most common that they do is for weddings. Which mm-hmm. is funnily enough, it's actually they wear white for weddings. So uh-huh. white fur from reindeer. It's so funny how they tend to wear. stuff like that sort Multiple of translates. Cultures. Yes, because obviously, <laughs> for not every culture you're gonna wear white to a wedding. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of cultures, white is the mourning color. Yeah. Um, but like I, I don't know. I love seeing those like coincidences yes. where these things align, and it's like we do that Here. too. Yes. yes. You know, Here. people are people you, wherever you are. Yeah. You wear white to someone else's wedding. Oh my. Goodness. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's they traditionally problem. wear white fur from the reindeer um, yeah. on their boots. Um, so for a wedding, the bride will wear several layers of scarves and loads of silver brooches. Um, also, funnily enough, she also wears something called a bridal crown, which is a long, which is a crown of long silk ribbons attached at the top of a traditional hat. So sort of like a veil. So, yes. That is which so is, interesting. Yeah, I love I that. I think it's very cute. Yeah. yeah. And then the groom will wear a, um, a long white scarf put as a cross over his chest. So, mm. yeah, <laughs> not as fancy, but. Isn't that the way? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We just do what we can, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got for their clothing, the cultural clothing that they've got. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because, again, obviously that is stuff that you wear on your person, but that sort of idea of um, the things that you carry or the things that you sort of um, put into place as being emblematic of, like, your status, mm-hmm. like who you are, that to me, again, reads as the very sort of North American idea of, like, the totem pole. Where you put it outside of your uh, of your lodging, and that tribe. sort of connotates your status. So, like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think that that's really interesting. Um, again, like you said, you know, dating apps yeah. um, <laughs> in, in you know Ancient indigenous. Time. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's really that's really funny to me. They, um, the the other very interesting thing is you know with circumpolar people, they're in not the most colorful place in the world. Um, you know, a lot of times all I see is snow and rocks and <laughs> the ocean a little bit. So the desire for color. Yeah, yeah, and so seeing how much color they put into their clothing, it, it shows how much it means to them because mm-hmm. they don't get to see color every day. Yeah. Like, you, you're not going to, they're not going to go out and see a pretty sunflower, whatever kind of flower that might be native yeah. there, I don't know. Um, they're not going to see a lot of different varieties of color. And so for them to be able to, one, replicate the colors that they have in their clothing with the resources that they have, they, they're very creative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like those primary colors, you see those a lot in a lot of indigenous communities because they're so, um, not easy, but they are available to sort of create from um, elements around you, like, you know, the yellow, a right. lot of indigenous communities, again, in North America, um, sort of use, like, ochre, and sort of, like, that red is going to be, you know, red clay, and obviously those same materials aren't going to be as, you know, plentiful in the um, frigid north, but I don't know, I think that that's, 
again, a really interesting similarity. Yeah, because they tried their best to make it as colorful as they physically could because it's very important and it represents where they are and how their culture is still important. And this yeah. is this is things that they... Like, st- I take up space. They still do today, yeah. A lot of this, these... Um, like I said, I mentioned the Reindeer Racing Championships and they have festivals and they have cultural festivals that they participate in still because it's still important to them. And as everyone was saying, it was forcibly taken away, but it is still definitely coming back yeah i feel like that's good mm-hmm. because like 100 yeah. after like what they went through and like you would think oh they're they have no culture anymore i feel yeah. like us knowing that there is they still have a part of them left and it's still alive i think that is a good reassurance mm-hmm. yeah, for all of us so they've slowly been making a comeback um the sammy parliament is actually a thing now um, they persi- participate at the UN meetings and everything. Um, so in today's time, since, well, okay, since 1987, uh, the Sami Parliament was founded. Um, and so they're getting their... Voice back. Yeah. Their, their culture is making a slow comeback. And that's why you're starting to see more and more, um, things about them, like Disney. More yeah. representation. Movie, yeah. mm-hmm. And they're just wanting to be heard. And that's yeah. all. And so. Alrighty. So I think on that uh, more positive note than a lot of this has been, <laughs> um, I think that that is probably where we will leave you all. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.